Hey there, I'm Donnie Spano and this is Faith for Today. Today we're looking at what we are uh, entitling perfect. And we've been looking at uh, being perfected. Uh, how God, through Jesus, actually told us to be perfect even as God the Father is perfect. Now many will say, no, he didn't mean perfect like, like you're thinking. There's no way. There's none of us that could ever be perfect. And let's be honest, you know, our life long, there's always going to be something that you and I can adjust. As the Lord tarries is coming, we can be 105 years old, 100 plus, and we can have served God for many years and Him shown and taught us and adjusted us in many ways. And still, you and I will need to make some adjustments and change how we do some things. And You and I are continually... In this calling, you will find this in Philippians, that you and I, there's this high prize. There's this mark and high prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That high calling. Now notice, it's not a calling. Do we need to go there? We're not going to go there for time's sake, but you'll find this in Philippians, the third chapter, and uh, verses 11 through 19, you can read that for yourself and, and avail yourself to the other messages. And you'll find there's a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that high calling is to be just like Jesus. Now, many will argue this. There will be many more. I mean, if I was to say, you know, none of us are perfect there'd be more people that would go, that's right, yeah, some would even give you an amen, <laughs> hallelujah, some would go, hallelujah, that's right, why, why are we spending all this time building up, building faith, building a trust and reliance that you and I are imperfect, that you and I cannot be perfect, that you and I are just human, bound to make mistakes, you ever heard that, we're bound to make mistakes, we're just human, Watch using this word just. Why use it? Just. It's just this. It's just. It's a way to devalue something. It's just this. If it's a job and a work of God that we're supposed to do, we just limited that work. Well, it's just recording. It's just. No, it's not just. If God tells us to do something, it's not unimportant. It is a valuable thing. If I say that's just so-and-so, I have just made them of less value. Why treat people like just? No, we're not called to do that. We're not called to just. We're called to do and be just like Jesus. You want to just? That's the just you need. Just like Jesus. Amen? That's what every born-again child of God is called to. We're not all called to pastor. We're not all called to the office of the prophet. We're not all called to be apostolic. We're not all called to be, thank you Jesus, we're not all called to the fivefold ministry. We are all called to ministry. We all have the ministry to bring this world back to Jesus, to reconcile this world to Christ. That ministry is all of ours. And we all have this high calling of God that is 
in Christ Jesus. Now go with me to this. We're going to go to John. It's not there. <laughs> That's good too, though. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6, verse 40. <laughs> I'm thankful you're believing with me. You know I'm believing with you. I didn't call myself. I didn't anoint myself. I have nothing apart from the good things that God has given us. He's helping us. And I want you strong. I want you blessed. I want you in the fullness of the blessing of God in your life. I want you to do everything you're called to do. I don't want you skipping a beat. That's what I want for you. And I believe that you're wanting us to get this out right. I thank you for your faith. Now, here in Luke 6, isn't this a good chapter? Verse number 40, it says, The disciple, the disciple, the disciple is not above his master. You and I, if we would allow ourselves will be discipled of God and discipled of the Lord Jesus. Not everybody is discipled. There were many in Jesus' life and ministry that would not be discipled. They would not. He actually, you'll find in John the sixth chapter, many of those disciples left and would not follow Jesus anymore. They weren't particularly fond of this eat my flesh and drink my blood sermon. Yeah, he lost a lot of people with that. They were the very words of God. And if people leave because we preach and teach God's words, we shouldn't cry. We shouldn't be upset. We shouldn't run after them. We should let them go. Because if they don't want to be discipled, then they're just showing they don't want to be perfected. They don't want more of God. They don't want to be more like Him. They want to be more like the world. And that is the war and the waging of war that you and I will find every single day. Are we going to be more like God or are we going to be more like the world? Are we going to be like this ungodly world or are we going to be just like the Master? And you'll see that here. He said, uh, the disciple is not above his master. We won't be any greater than him. But this is this next part is going to be something many have not considered. And he continued, Jesus continued and said, but everyone that is perfect. Now, hold on. If we could not be perfect, why is Jesus saying this? Jesus is saying this because we can be. Before God and before Him, you and I can be perfect. You know, there's been a lot of people, they would find it hard to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm talking to you. You know you're perfect. It would do you good to do that. Look in the mirror. You don't have to do it all the time. And know when you're saying it, you're not perfect in yourself, you're perfect in Him. You're not alone. He's with you. He said, I will never leave you. 
I will never forsake you. And he's called us to be perfect. And that's what it says right here. It says, everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Jesus is my master. And early on, I sought him to disciple me and to make me as strong and as solid as I could possibly be. And as I'm seeing it more and more, what I was seeking him to be is just like him. And when you and I want that, he will position, he will shift the world and shift the very aspects of it to bring the people and the resources and everything that's needed. He'll get us across the very end of the earth to bring us right to the place where he'll be able to strategically implement and strengthen and what? Disciple us. <laughs> Tomorrow and I were talking about this word disciple recently. We had talked about children. You know, you can see it in kids. There have been times where they've acted out and they've, they've, uh, you can tell, what are they looking for? They're looking for the attention. What are they looking for? They're looking for someone who loves them enough. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it's for your sake. Loves them enough to discipline them right now. Loves them enough to say, no, that's not okay. No, we're not going to do it that way. No, we're going to do it this way. They are looking for someone who loves them to disciple them. And you and I are God's children. Now go with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We have built this belief. There's no excuse to go around with the thought, I, I'm not perfect. I can't. It's paralyzed people. We're going to Hebrews 12. This thought has paralyzed people because they've thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm off the mark. I'm not perfect. I know I need to make adjustments. And so they keep trying and keep trying and keep trying to get what? Perfect. And all the while not doing the very things God himself is trying to get them to do because, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. You'll never be until you start doing what he shows you to do right now. Start taking that next step. Step. Start getting into that next place. Start allowing him to work right where you're at. You start entering into the perfecting process. And many, they've been so afraid I'm going to mess up. Oh, I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look like a failure. What if I... And so they haven't stepped and they haven't moved. They haven't operated. They haven't exercised any faith. And that's what needs to be perfected. You and I, when we come to God, we make Jesus Lord. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. And God, when He looks at us, He doesn't see that filth that was. He sees cleanliness. He sees the very righteousness that was on Jesus, perfect, pristine, did not sin, tempted in all points, yet did not sin, the perfect, spotless lamb. That's what is seen in the area of righteousness. But our faith, our faith must be perfected. Now here in 
Hebrews 12. We're going to start at verse 1. And Thank you, Jesus. Now, verse... I'm sorry. Chapter 12 is right after the chapter where we find faith is heavily <laughs> addressed. And then it comes on into this next part and says that we are so encompassed about, so surrounded by witnesses of faith, those that have gone on before us, that by faith pleased God and overcame the world. Hallelujah. And that's where we're going to start here in this first verse. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Who's going to lay aside the weights in our life? God's going to, God's going to do it. He's going to take it from me. I've been praying, Lord, just take it from me. Just take it. Just take that thing from me. Just take that. Just take it. No. No. He told us to lay it aside. Put it away. There are some things that they're not sin. They're not, you know, sin means that he showed us to do something and we didn't do it. James uh, makes it clear through the scriptures that uh, to him who sins, it talks about, um, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Why to him? Because he knew to do the good. There was light that came. That light was from God. We are responsible for, for yes, corresponding action to the light that we're given. And if we do nothing with that light, then we are failing to walk in it and we put ourselves in a place of violating that very light. And it's a reason why many have not seen more. God will take them right back to that and go, what have you done about that? I told you to get into a good church. I told you to read your Bible. Yeah, just read a chapter. That's what I told you to do. I told you. They didn't like that light. They thought, okay, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, New Year's resolution. Push it off. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next month. Yeah, well, once we get that done, then we can do that. And time pushes on and pushes on. And the enemy knows all he has to do is get you to put it off more. Put it off more. Put it off more. Just put just just tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. You never did anything tomorrow. Whenever you did it, it was in today. And he knows he can do this. And he has done it to people their whole life long. And they look back and they go, I was supposed to do that. And they realize their days are, are, they're going to be with the Lord. And they didn't accomplish what they were supposed to do. They did not enter into the perfecting process. He will not make us lay aside the weights. There are some things I just don't have time for. Not because I wouldn't enjoy it, not because, because it would come with a cost. And it's a cost too high for me right now. I'm thinking about Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. You can read literature that's come through uh, Kenneth Hagin Ministries and 
you'll find he had talked about as a young boy, he was on a deathbed. You find someone that could have been bitter and upset and given up on trusting God. It was Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And he didn't. He was on this bed. He was paralyzed because he, he was bedridden. And, uh, yes, sir, bring that back to me. And he had talked about people would bring to him literature, things to read. And they'd bring him uh, westerns, you know, fun things. They'd say something must be wrong with him. He's always reading his Bible. And he, he's an adolescent young man. He's 15, he's 16. And he tells him, I don't have any time to read those westerns. I don't have any time to read. And they think, oh man, he's, he's getting too hard. He's getting too serious. He needs to lighten up. He's going to be dead in just days. Exactly what he knew by God. If he doesn't get this word in him, he doesn't got time for a western right now. I can watch a Western 20 years from now when God has healed this body and I got soundness in me and I'm whole and I'm complete. But right now, I don't have time for the Westerns. I got to get in these scriptures. And you and I need to have that, but He will not make us. We have to put ourselves in this perfecting process. And the only way you and I will be useful is if we do. God was able to minister healing through Kenneth E. Hagin for year upon year upon year because he put himself before those words of God, got them in him, found his healing, received his healing, and made Satan eat that, oh my, hellish thing he tried to put on him for year after year, decade after decade, and left a legacy of faith left the legacy of pleasing God and many under the coattails, if you will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so here, we must lay aside the weights. We need to determine, do I have time to do that right now? Do I have time for that hobby? Do I have time? If it means I'm not going to do the God thing, then no, I don't. And I'm going to have to make a choice. And so he said, lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Part of the perfecting process is encompassed with patience. It's by faith and patience that we inherit the promises. You and I will not be perfected any more than we'll uh, be long-suffering and patient. And it would help us from time to time to take a deep breath and get ready for endurance. Because if we are going to go long and strong with God, we're going to have to be able to wait long. And uh, that's something you and I should not, at, we should not find ourselves. If we've been saying, well, I just, man, I don't have any patience right now. We need to like slap our hand across our mouth quickly. We need this patience. And you and I both, all of us, I shouldn't say both, let me correct myself. All of us have the same 
unrenewed flesh nature. And you know what that means? It means we want it right now. You see it in our generation. How has restaurant, you know, and getting food to us, how, how quickly has that gone into the place where as soon as you order, you want them to like throw it in your mouth, you know? And it's funny, but it's true. How quick this generation is to want it when? Right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, forget about it. Let me move on. Let me find someone else that can give it to me now. And if that's what we resort to, we will not be perfected and we will not be like the master. Godly. We must watch out for shortcuts. We must watch out, watch out for going our own way because there will be temptation to do it. To unhook from the places He's connected us to go that route. Because man, what did He do with, to Jesus? What did the enemy do? He said, listen here. You just bow yourself to me. I'll give you all these kingdoms of the earth. It's in my power. It's been committed to me. I'll give it all to you. This is what Jesus knew was his purpose and plan to rule over all nations. He wasn't supposed to get it that way. And he refused to take the shortcut. He refused to be impatient. He refused to just take it to himself. He refused. And so do I. How about you? Do you refuse to just get it anyhow? Or are you going to let God add it to you? Are you going to let Him build it in you? Are you going to get it God's way? That's the way it can't be taken from you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So here, He said, uh, the the race that's set before us, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So you see again, endurance. It took him patience, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, now this is heart and mind, consider him that endured, again, what? Endured. You and, I, you and I are made to endure, to be patient, hallelujah, and kind while we're waiting. That endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be what? Wearied and faint in your minds. There is this war in the mind. All the while trying to do what? To get you and I to quit. That's this paralyzed. Get you to stop. Get you to be, get so hung up on what is not going right. Get you so hung up on how you're missing it. Look back there. You, you messed that up big time. Quit. 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 Quit running. Quit enduring. Quit. Just quit. Just quit. I got another, I got another way. Here's a shortcut. Come this way. Come this way. Just quit going that way. What way? God's way. Quit being like Jesus. Quit doing it that way. Just whatever you do. Just quit doing that and just come this way. Just be like how many people today have convinced themselves 
that if they just show themselves to the world that, you know, we're not so different. We got a lot in common, you know, and they think I'm going to get close to them to win them to Jesus by showing them, hey, we're not so different. If we're not, we're not saved and we're not the bright shining examples that they need. You want to help them? Show them we're not different. We are not alike. I am a new creature. It's not my work. God has done it and his life is in me. And if you want it, you can have it too. But until then, we are not the same. We are not alike. And I'm not helping you trying to convince you that we're something we're not. We're not all brothers and sisters. No, they need to see the separation. They need to see that if I make an adjustment and I choose to leave this world and I choose to go towards God and His way for my life, then what I'm seeing that's good in them, I can have it in me. And I want that more than this world. But they won't see that if we're trying to show ourselves just like they are. No, we need not be ashamed of being a new creature and creation in Christ Jesus. And um, he continued and said, that you lest or unless you be wearied and faint in your minds. So he's telling us, this is how you won't faint. This is how you won't be weary. Are there many that have quit this year? Years past. They got tired and they quit. There are. But it doesn't have to be us. And they can come right on back to the Master and by His mercy enter back into the perfecting process and grow strong in Him and endure and go long and be made strong and be just like Jesus today. Hallelujah. And he continued and said, You have not yet resisted, you have not yet resisted to blood, striving against sin. Fifth verse, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaks to you as to children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Peter was rebuked of the master. This is saying, sons, will be rebuked. There will be times where they will be corrected sharply. By who? By their father. By God. And it continues and says, the sixth verse, For whom the Lord loves. Now, many will say, God, He loves us. That's why He's so merciful so gracious. He just loves us. Oh, aren't you so thankful for His love? Oh, His love, His love. But they leave off this other part. And we're looking at this together here. For whom the Lord loves. Say this with me. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. That doesn't sound very friendly. <laughs> he corrects. He adjusts. And it says he scourges every son 
whom he receives. And it goes on and says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father does not chasten? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, it, the scriptures here in King James says, then are you illegitimate um, and not sons. Illegitimate is the idea. The ninth verse says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Now notice, before it just said corrected us. That's what this chastening is. They chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit. What's profitable for God and for the kingdom? That you and I be corrected. That you and I be perfected. And if He loves us, this is what He will do. But notice... You and I, we must enter into it. There are a lot of children don't want any correction. They want to hear, I love you, I love you, I love you. But they don't want to make any adjustments. And it's actually why people have had to say things to them that they, if they would have got it from God, I, I've opened myself to this because like I mentioned, I've, I've sought Him to Get this in me to be just like Jesus. And I'm all the time on the inside. I'm hearing him and knowing how to adjust, how to make the changes, what I did not do right. And I'm thankful because it's also what he has caused where I don't have to hear it from other people. They don't have to take me aside. They don't have to because I have the master inside me all the time showing me the way but he's not going to just automatically do that if i'm hardening myself i won't get it i won't be adjusted if i'm not looking for it i won't see it if i'm not pliable like clay in his the master's hands then as much as he wants to mold me i won't be and neither will you and I know we're wrapping up here. Let's just continue this so you get the heart of this. And it said, you know, that verily for a few days they chastened us, but he for our profit, that we might be what? Partakers of his holiness, of his right way, being just like him. This is what the world needs to see. God, when he looks at you and me, they see God. They see Jesus. This is what the world, they may not realize it, but this is what they want. And I know we're, we're nearing on time, but let's get all of it. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Hallelujah. It is not going to be. Now, you and I can get so accustomed to God making these little adjustments and telling us, now do it this way. Don't do it that way. You could have said it this way. You could have. That it doesn't seem like such a grief to us. But if we are hardened to this, then any time someone tries to make a little adjustment to us, because God uses people at times too, then we'll find it'll grieve us. 
It'll bother us. Why? Why do we think that we don't need any adjustment? So, thank you, Jesus. Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. Are you and I open to that correction today? Let's go ahead and uh, we prayed in uh, time past, but let's give an opportunity today. Let's pray this together. Father, I can see it now that I have been hardened in times past. And if in any ways I have not allowed you to correct me today and to make me more and more like you, more like the Master Jesus, I open myself to you and I say, Lord, help me to be pliable. Help me to be easy to adjust to you, to your way. Be glorified in me through this your working. And I thank you for making me to be perfect before you, just like Jesus, and for making this way of your correction not grievous, not grieving to me, not hard and harsh, because as you correct, you will critique, but you will not be critical. And I thank you for this. I receive your correction, and I thank you for loving me wonderfully in this way. In Jesus' name, I receive it, Father. Amen. That's all our time for today, my friends. But come back. There's more to see. We love you. We bless you. And uh, we will see you soon for more faith for today. Thank you.